Donovan Mitchell does not go to the New York Knicks. He does not go to the Washington Wizards. But he also doesn't go to the Charlotte Hornets. That and much more. I'm joined by David Walker, getting the old crew back together here on Locked On Hornets. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It is Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and daily wherever you get podcasts, including on YouTube. I'm Doug Branson. You can catch more of my work on every Hornets box score at everyhornetsboxscore.com. I'm joined uh, by one of the original members of Locked On Hornets, David Walker, who is filling in for Walker Mail. David, I'm going to do my best not to call you Walker. It always gets a little confusing nowadays when you take over for Walker because your last name is Walker and I have a baby and I didn't sleep much last night. Sure, sure, sure. I'll go by either one. It's totally fine. Uh, I can only hope to just fill in for Walker. It's it's tough job, but I'm going to give my best. I'm, it's a little rusty, but these early Fridays are feeling good. Oh, well, and we have some news to talk about. When I when mm-hmm. I knew you were coming on the show, I thought, well, we're going to have to fish around for some topics. But uh, Donovan Mitchell gets traded. That landed right in our lap. Unfortunately, Donovan Mitchell himself did not land in the Charlotte Hornets lap. Instead, he's going to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Let me just read off what what Cleveland was able to uh, use to acquire Donovan. Snuck in there because he was supposed to go yep. to the New York Knicks. Charlotte was in the conversation. Washington was in the conversation. Cleveland, I never heard about Cleveland being in this conversation, David. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. But here's what Cleveland sent to the Jazz. They sent Lowry Markinen. They sent Ochai Abaji, who was the 14th pick in this past draft. Remember, he was drafted in between the Hornets' 13th and 15th pick. Guard Colin Sexton, who signed a four-year, $72 million sign-and-trade as part of this deal. They sent three unprotected first-round picks, 2025, 2027, 2029. Uh, David, uh, one year you didn't hear in there is 2024. I don't know if you know who's coming out in 2024, David. Is that Bronny? Bronny James. (laughs) Nobody's giving up those picks, baby. Nobody's giving up that pick. And think, if if Cleveland's winning, they're probably late first round. That's Bronny's like ceiling right now is late first round. You'd be reaching, you would be reaching for LeBron James if you took Bronny James in the late first round. So a lot of conspiracy theory around that. Yeah, just one thing there. I, I need the James family. They've got to demand a first round pick at this point. The hype's gotten too much. They, oh, they've yeah. got to say first round or bust. Well, first round or LeBron doesn't come. Like either draft right. my kid first right. round. I mean, yeah, the demand. I mean, he, that's an easy backpedal. That's an easy backpedal for LeBron. He, he's done much more uh, skillful backpedaling than that. That's an easy one. Okay, they give up three unprotected first-round picks. They give up two pick swaps in 2026 and 2028. So, David, we always knew that the haul to get Donovan Mitchell was going to be very large. Uh, Does this trade by Cleveland indicate to you that the haul would have been too large for the Hornets to actually offer and acquire Donovan Mitchell? It certainly would appear so. I mean, it's for, certainly for the Hornets, you got to think. Uh, they didn't want to give up the future assets, I guess. I, I'm trying to figure out what the centerpiece. I mean, I'm thinking Sexton is the centerpiece player, right? I mean, that's where we have to land. He's signing with the Utah Jazz. He's a young up-and-comer. 
Um, he certainly would have been more attractive, I think, than anyone the Hornets could have put in there. You you have to think PJ Washington, you know, some combo of Terry Hayward, something. I'm sure they have explored all angles. Lamelo, we know, is off limits. Uh, Bridges, we know, is out of the conversation as well. So when they're talking about actual assets, uh, they would have had to basically give up their uh, a big piece of their entire team. The Hornets did. Uh, the Cavs really didn't have to do that. It put them in a little position of power. They have an identity. They really didn't affect that identity or that core by making any of these moves, uh, at least in you know in the short term. So uh, I think uh, if the Hornets were involved in that conversation, we know that Ainge asked for a lot, right? It was too much for the Knicks. I mean, they were at the doorstep, and it was too much for them. So you got to think it was too much for the Hornets, whatever, you know, however far that got down the line. I mean, I speculated all along in this process that the team that would beat the Charlotte Hornets to Donovan Mitchell, that it would be less about the picks that they could offer over the Hornets and more about the players that they could offer. And not that not that Utah, a rebuilding team, would be looking for, you know, legitimate all-stars. But as you're rebuilding the team, it's nice to have some cornerstone pieces that then you can build around as the years progress. And that's what Colin Sexton represents, despite not playing a lot of games because of a torn meniscus last season. I I think Colin Sexton projects out to be a really, really good guard that you could build around and replace some of what you're letting go uh, with Donovan Mitchell. And then Lowry Markinen is a role player. The Hornets could have matched that, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. But the thing that really set me off yesterday on Twitter was the idea that part of this deal uh, was Oshai Abaji, who was drafted 14th. And it got me thinking, what if, you know, I'm trying to go into some of these conversations that we know the Hornets have had as as far back as as Summer League, we had reports that Charlotte was in the conversation for Donovan Mitchell with Utah as they as Utah was really seriously exploring the deal with with the Knicks. And I said that you know, th- that Charlotte would be used as bait, as, as hey, New York, let's get a deal done. And the only way Charlotte was going to get this deal done is, is a total surprise, just like Cleveland. Uh, and but, but apparently Cleveland was able to re-engage and get this deal done, and Charlotte wasn't. And I look at that pick, and, and David, I, I remember back in the, the NBA draft, and I remember, well, Charlotte had two picks. They had the 13th yes. pick. They had the 15th pick. They used the 15th pick on Mark Williams. Now, maybe they don't want to give up on Mark Williams. Maybe that was a hindrance to getting a deal done because they feel like Mark Williams can finally solve the thing that they've needed to solve for a long time, which is having an anchor big. Fine. But they traded the 13th pick for a for a considerably worse first-round future pick. Had they just made the 13th pick and signed that player, they could have possibly used that player as leverage in this deal. And it just makes me go crazy because I just don't know why as a franchise, other than pure monetary considerations of not wanting to sign a second first round pick, I don't know why you wouldn't even just hold on to that first rounder, make the selection, and then try to leverage that as a deal. Does that not make you crazy? It made me crazy a little bit on draft night. I mean, I'm pretty sure I defended it at some point along the way, but I still would have taken both those players and and, and kept them. And I get the argument on the other side that you don't want to have that competition. You don't want to have the uncertainty or the doubt or whatever. But to me, that's two young assets that you can kind of work with and see what happens because you have nothing in the post. (laughs) Okay. So that's, that's, that's part of the story. Um, now, Now, let me clarify something here, Doug. Like if they would have tried, they could not have turned around and traded 
that pick correct i mean they could is that isn't that a rule like say they had tried to package that pick that the future pick they had they got and through this Durant trade they couldn't have included that in a trade yet is am i am i imagining some i don't believe so that? i'm not a, like yeah, i'm not a i'm whatever. not a cb i'm it not a cba matter. expert i don't but here's the thing marks yeah go talk to bobby martin i'm not an expert on the cba but <laughs> i'll tell you this that i've i said this all along that the hornets picks were more valuable than some of these other teams picks because you know the the hornets actually have a potential to mess all of this up you know it's not like Cle- like cleveland's and picks that- are are going yeah. to be they've they've got they've already got two all stars on the team and Garland and Jared Allen they've got Evan Mobley who seems you know just he's going to be all NBA at some point if they keep the center position at, at all NBA well Woj Woj confirmed that he said future uh, all star in his tweet <laughs> how did Evan Mobley's Evan Mobley's agent has to be involved somewhere like how no, how did no. Evan Mobley sneak in like this drive by compliment he said by now Woj got in the two all stars and one future all star. Uh, that was well, I mean, I well, I mean, I mean, no one's arguing. I, I kind of agree in, in the sense that if they keep the center position, Evan Mobley seems destined to be one of the best centers in the NBA, barring injury. So they've got all those pieces. So those Cleveland picks are not going to be great. Yeah, the pick swaps are not going to be right, great. Right, right. Whereas the Hornets picks, even if you got one less, would probably be, if you were thinking about it, slightly more valuable than some of these other picks. So I thought it was and, all going to come down to players. And yeah. But having it wasn't about Ojai Abaji as a player. It was about the idea that you get a player that's on a rookie-scale contract that right. is very affordable that you can then, you know, three years down the line, Abaji is still contributing for your team but not hurting your books so that then you can go and make the moves to build around Colin Sexton and try to turn the Jazz into a contender again. That's what the 13th pick could have been for the Hornets. Well, this to me is another indication of call it what you want, call it not being prepared, call it not being nimble enough or quick enough or reactive enough or whatever. I mean, we kind of saw it on draft night. They didn't think both those guys were going to be there. And I don't think they really knew what to do. I mean, I'm assuming they had that scenario planned out. But they couldn't get a deal worked out, you know, prior to the draft with both of them, or or, or some big move, some big move, Doug. That, that's I think that's what we're looking for here. We're, do got Lamelo something. They, they they need to do something, and it just feels like they get they 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 stick their toe in the water, right? And and they're feeling around. They're in the conversations. They're in the conversations, but either it gets to the point of no return, and they back off, or they don't know how far to push it, and. Whatever the reason, it's not happening. I mean, whatever the the buildup, whatever the whatever is leading up to this, it's not happening. It, it feels like uh, they may not have a roadmap. I don't know. <laughs> to me, okay, I mean, that's what this feels yeah. like. That's what I want to talk about in the second segment. Sort of, what are the implications of of not doing anything this off season? I want to get more of your thoughts, David. You haven't been around in a while. Just want to see where your head's at on this upcoming season. We'll talk about that. Also. Steph Curry's name in the news. He gets a key to the city, had some interesting thoughts about possibly playing for the Charlotte Hornets in the future. I want to talk about that later in the show. Some exciting news around the G League. We don't get much exciting news around the G League unless it involves Kai Jones or James Booknight. There is some exciting news around the G League rule changes that could possibly be coming to the NBA. I want to talk about that as well. But first, are you one of those people that thinks it's okay to drive stoned? Well, that's the worst that can happen. You say you end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but also everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. 
Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. More Locked on Hornets coming up. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury. That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f***? Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. With an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, uh, Sorry, guys. I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, That was understand. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I just like, yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead. If I may. Yeah, sure. Like, so you you, like, you can't say, hold on, hold on. You can't start talking and then say, if I may. Like, yes, you obviously may. You started if, talking. If I may. Uh, the read and then the, the drop have nothing to do with each other. I just want to clarify that. You, the read you had prior to the drop and, and right. the, the classic drop uh, right. of me in my vehicle. Uh, th- those were you, unrelated. Right. You were, yeah, you were sober. You were perfectly, yeah, totally. it was the, you, you're always blaming the podcast. kids. You're I'm not taking any, you, this is, this is David's character, by the way. He never takes personal responsibility. He always uh, just blames children for his problems. Um, oh wait, that's, I, I think can, that's my, certainly. actually, I think no. that's my character. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. David Walker joining me on the show. He's filling in for Walker mail, um, who is on some vacay. Uh, David, you haven't been around in a while because you've been on some vacay. You've been you've been oh, loving man, some man. some beach time. You look good. You got a good tan going on. Oh, thanks, looking buddy. looking fresh, looking re- rejuvenated. Well, school's back in, so there's you know the stress level has gone slightly down. Yeah, see, I don't know that world yet. So oh, I'm buddy. I'm so to get, you have to give me a little bit of a window later on. Uh, but first, I want to continue this conversation around Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavaliers, not going to the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets, the only move they've made this uh, they made two moves this offseason one was to extend the qualifying offer to miles bridges but all of that is in uh jeopardy limbo as miles bridges is facing uh felony domestic violence charges in los angeles what we should get some kind of update on that situation next week there's a court date scheduled for september 7th uh, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that uh, you can get the updates on that uh, the only other move they've made is re-signing Cody Martin to the team, which I think was an important move around the margins, but certainly not something that's going to significantly change their outlook. And that's what disappoints me most, David, about this situation, is that the Donovan Mitchell acquiring Donovan Mitchell would have significantly closed the gap in talent between the Charlotte Hornets and every other team in the Eastern Conference. It seems like every single team has made some kind of move to get better and the Hornets have essentially done nothing. And they have, I think Vegas indicates this, they have gotten worse than they were yep. last season. And I just, as I don't know what fans are supposed to do with that, because as a fan, you see, hey, the team has LaMelo Ball. They struck gold. This guy's already an all-star in his second year. He could possibly be in the all-NBA conversation this coming season, and and certainly in that conversation two seasons from now. And yet the, the team seems to be slow-footing contention. I just don't know what you're supposed to do with that as a fan. Yeah, you add Donovan Mitchell to the backcourt with Lamelo. That's what you start. I mean, that's where you start to build. That's two All Stars. Uh, you know that gets you into the playoffs. I think 
we we shouldn't skip over the whole Miles Bridges thing. Obviously, that has stuck them right. Obviously, that was not of their doing. Uh, it's the reason they're they're so high or low, however you want to put it, on the worst offseason rankings that you guys discussed a couple of shows ago. Uh, but you know, I don't think they were going to do a whole lot else. Regardless, I mean, they kind of said as much. You know, Miles was their big move to be made and and to secure in the offseason. They weren't going to make a lot of changes. They were hoping to solve the center position in the draft. And so, you know, every time you come around and look at what this team and what this front office is doing, you know, there's always kind of that excuse there. But I don't think their plan was to do a big shakeup. Um, I mean, can you blame them for that? Could you see Miles blossoming and taking another step to be in an all-star? possibly you know um but but when things shift they, they they don't appear to have a plan b if they have a plan a and it's this type of move you're right that they have to do right they've got to swoop in find the disgruntled star find the star that's in a bad situation because of where they are and who they are right they have to do that they're not going to get somebody like that on the uh, on the free agent market well, and and so bringing this back to Donovan Mitchell this was their opportunity right and i don't get the sense Unless, you know, hey, if I'm the Charlotte front office right now, I need I need to leak something that said, hey, we gave them, you know, do it. Pull a Danny Ainge here and say, hey, we made them a godfather offer. We made them a huge offer. And and Cleveland's offer was just significantly better. Leak that out. Let some fans know that's the to me. This is this is as much about optics as it is basketball. This is about an organization going to their fans and saying, we love you and we're trying, Jennifer. Like we're trying to put a product out on the right. floor because what what's worse than hate? You know, love and hate. What's worse than hate? Oh, you know what's apathy. worse than hate? Apathy, indifference. And yeah. that is the feeling that I'm getting from this front office right now. It's all about excuses. If it, it was a couple of years ago, we heard, well, this team doesn't have any all-stars. And then it was this past, uh, this past period right after the season where uh, Mitch Kupchak essentially said, we don't know if we're ready to contend. Uh, you know, he didn't say like a Cleveland, but Cleveland is an example of a team that had a couple of all-stars and were ready to sort of make that move into Eastern Conference contention. So he's saying, well, this team is not ready to make the those kind of moves. Well, when will they be ready? And how do you get ready? I, and I get it. Doug, I get there. Were, I understand that there were things outside of their control. Although I would argue that they let the qualifying offer on Miles Bridges stick. They could have rescinded the qualifying offer and completely changed gears on the offseason. They let this entire offseason move along with, with that situation, uh, you, you know, carried and we don't into know. it. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know what's come been put forth down from the league, right? Like there's, I think there's uh, essentially uh, a, a no discussion clause across media teams. League this isn't about discussion. About this is right, uh, right, well, right. No, what I'm, what I'm saying is they, and again, I don't, we have to figure out if it's going to be a lot of hindsight going back and looking at it and say, well, yeah. you know, that, that looks good in hindsight them, uh, you know, holding on to that qualifying offer. But that it was, what I'm saying is that's their choice. That's a choice. That was their that's choice. a move. Right. And we haven't heard anything on it. And I'll tell you what's doubly frustrating when you don't hear anything from the front office, except, you know, around media day or trade deadline or whatever, you go the whole off season, all this stuff happens, but you know, who you do, you do hear from Doug, you know, who I hear from who the tickets, the ticket sales office. That's who <laughs> I hear from. And you know what they tell me? Apparently what do they tell you? your lack of interest <laughs> indicates a lack of interest. Well. And you know what, Megan, it does. I mean, look, 
I'm just saying it's frustrating because Doug, we have been doing this show since the Bobcat days. Okay. A lot of these folks watching and listening have been with us for that long. And and I think we've yeah. been a proponent of, Hey, let's don't, you know, don't rush it. Don't get out over your skis too much. Uh, wait till you've got something to build upon and then go build and make moves. Mm-hmm. But at some point you have got to throw some of that out the window and say, all right, we're going to take a swing here. We're going to try this. And it's not going to be a Dwight Howard swing. You know, it's not going to be your Al Jefferson free agent swing. It's going to be an actual swing where you make moves, you shake things up. And I understand they're trying to build, but look at that East, Doug. I mean, my God, the two teams we talked about, the Cavs and the Knicks, they may they may be in seven, eight spot. I mean, they may be in the play-in game. So, I mean, that's what you're fighting uphill against now. And to position this upcoming season, the third with LaMelo Ball as a gap year, is uh, just awful PR for one. So you got to do something to counteract that, but it is just a horrible way to spend the next 12 months of basketball until you can get to the next off season. I mean, it's just, you know, what are they going to do? Where are they going? No one knows. And they haven't told us. Well, and this not- is about as negative as, as I get. Like I swear I come on here and I'm super negative. I feel like I'm defending them otherwise than out on Twitter. But when you look at it, you know, it's tough. Well, I think, and and uh, how does LaMelo Ball view all of this, I think is an interesting question because for him and and his and the accolades that he can acquire, those will have a ceiling on them if the team doesn't win. It's going to be very difficult for him to get into the all-NBA conversation if this team is not winning. And, and I, I don't know that LaMelo Ball can, maybe he can, maybe he can take some of these pieces and and raise the raise their level of play just via him maybe he had I don't know that you know we've seen only a few players in NBA history be able to really take a team uh that lacked significant talent and move them into contention maybe LaMelo Ball is capable of that but I think more likely is that he needs a few pieces around him uh, to fully realize a lot of the things that he wants to realize uh, in his NBA career. And the Hornets are not providing that. And if the Hornets aren't going to provide that this year or next year or the next year, you know, what's what 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 what's going to happen? I've said it a lot. I think the Hornets need to be waking up every morning thinking about what can we what can we do to convince LaMelo Ball that this team is serious about not not making the playoffs, not making the play in, not winning a play in game, not winning a first round series. Is this team serious? about competing in the Eastern Conference, about getting to the finals and winning a championship. That's how Milwaukee convinced Giannis to hang around. Giannis won them a championship. That has to be the goal for the Charlotte Hornets. And it doesn't, at this moment, feel like that there's that seriousness around it. Uh, Really quickly, uh, Steph Curry got the key to the city of Charlotte. Um, You know, of course, spent uh, 21 years of his life there. I uh, went to college at Davidson, was a star there, and uh, y- you know is is sort of a uh, you know a, a you legend ever- of a legend of Charlotte. wasn't born there, but certainly spent right. a lot of his time in Charlotte. A favorite son <laughs> of Charlotte. Um, have, you so, a, have you ever seen a one man commencement ceremony like that before? It was odd. Um, <laughs> he was the, he, he had his cap and gown on, but. Maybe some other folks, faculty members on the stage. That I get it. Look, Steph's a big deal. Uh, it did take him 13 years. I mean, come on, guys. A lot of people. Wow. God. <laughs> Lots, a lot of summer classes. I uh, know. Uh, that uh, was pretty so, cool, though. But yeah, so you were saying uh, he got the key to the city as well. He, 
he got the key to, which I don't know what that means. I don't know what, what is that? Open? Well, his dad also has it. So why couldn't he just let him borrow his, I guess? Oh, I, well, they're printing too many keys then. Cause I think yeah, Thomas Davis has one as well. It's a lot of keys hanging around. What? It seems like a, it seems like a security issue of some kind. I don't know what it opens. Um, Everything. it seems like a security My door <laughs> Walker's door. You're oh, safe, geez. but everyone yeah. else, I mean, geez. That's right. Steph Curry is going to bust in your house. Um, so the more interesting part of the story though, is that Steph Curry mentions that other than the Warriors, you know, he, he would, he, he couldn't envision himself, I guess, playing for any other team except for Charlotte. And he's, he said, he was very careful to say, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm very dedicated to the, to the Golden State Warriors, but he mentions the Charlotte Hornets. He mentions a, any mention of a desire to play for this franchise is going to have fans ears perking up. David, I'm just going to ask this and then we can move on. Based on what he said there, is there any chance that Steph Curry ever dons the teal and purple in your mind? Oh, man. Uh, no. <laughs> Come on. Not, not zero chance. You're putting it at zero? No way. I mean, he's Mr. Warrior at this point. He's too entrenched. Uh, I, I just you don't, don't see a, just a, like a retail, like a one year kind of, not a serious run with the Charlotte Hornets, but a one year. All right. going to just wrap up my career here in Charlotte. Have some, have some ceremonies with my dad, dap him up, you know, they do like ceremonies. So, okay. Okay. 5%, 5%. <laughs> yeah, woo! 5% chance from david walker i could see it i mean stranger things have happened uh, it would be stranger to me in this era for a player to be drafted by a team and finish with that team that would be pretty rare pretty incredible for steph curry to do that and if there were going to be a player to do it it would be steph curry i think one of the greatest players of all time one of the greatest shoot the greatest shooter of all time un- unquestionably i think uh, but but one of the greatest players of all time i could definitely see it happening but I could also well, see just like a one-year retirement, you know, kind of thing. How he's already got everything locked up in Golden State. It's not going to be that big of a deal, and and he comes to Charlotte for a little ceremonial year. Yeah, just don't come for ten days and then go back to Golden State. We've no, we don't want you for ten. No, we don't want you for ten days. It's not that's well, not how any of this. We'll works. give him a ten-day contract. Okay, but make All up right. your mind, David. Do you want it for ten days or do you not want it for ten days? I think you want it for I think you want it for one day. I think you want it for ten days or whatever you can get. So All right, yes. coming up uh, on this edition of Locked On Hornets, we're going to talk about some rule changes in the G League that could be make some exciting rule changes. I gotta I gotta pump this up. Some exciting rule changes in the G League that could be coming to the NBA. Something that David and I have been talking about for a long time of wanting to see in the NBA. We'll get to that and much, much more here on Locked On. I'm going to get my bump together at some point here on Locked On Hornets. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Unless Mitch has Buzz on his lap and Buzz is sort of Santa the vent- style. The, I like it. Oh yeah. Or ventriloquist, you know, <laughs> well, let's see how, how, how much ventrilo- ventriloquist are yeah. we going? <laughs> I don't think anything or I don't, I don't want to go that much. Whoa. Yeah. I don't want to go with ventriloquist. Let's go. I like the Santa style a little bit more. Either one is creepy. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. I'm Doug Branson, joined again by David Walker. 
David, exciting news out of the G League. The Elam ending is coming to the G League to decide overtime games. Now, if you don't know what the Elam ending is, let me explain it to you very quick. You might yeah, have seen well, it in the NBA All-Star game. So this maybe is, if This you, is horrible branding, by the way. They've, this is like the Democratic Party. They've got to get some people out here to give it a better name than the Elam ending. God bless you, Mr. and Mrs. Elam. Well, you know, I wonder, because they've been using the Elam ending, which is essentially you set a target score for teams to hit, and that decides the game as opposed to, you know, just the raw time. score. Yeah, So and time, yes. Um, yeah. So you, you set a target score instead of a timed overtime. Now, they've been, they've been trialing this in the NBA All-Star game, and to honor Kobe Bryant, they set the target score at 24. So instead of the Elam ending, I wonder if there's some kind of, we're talking. you know, branding around Kobe, the Kobe ending. I don't know. Uh, we'll yeah, have to see, we'll like, see what they uh, end up calling it. It'll be called, you know, the State Farm ending or something horrible <laughs> like that. But <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That's what that's what they're going to brand this thing out. But anyway, go ahead. Uh, so the Elam ending is coming to G League's overtime. And we've seen David rule changes that that start in the G League, including the rule change that's taking effect in the NBA this year, the transition take foul. We've seen that start in the G League and then make its way to the NBA. Now, to be fair, we've also seen some other radical ideas make its way to the G League and, and not end up in the NBA. For example, they did, I don't know if they're still experimenting with this, but I know in 2019, they instituted one free throw no matter what. So even if it was a three-point foul um then you would take one free throw for all three points and it was a way to like speed up the uh, game and and stuff like that and they they did not move that to the nba uh yet i guess but but i think after a few years if you're not going to move it you're probably not going to move it but the elam ending uh do you see it eventually making its way to the nba would you like to see it make its way to nba overtimes and no, just so overtimes, I think, would be the spot, right? They're not, I don't think they're going to do it for full games. And and, no. and and the G League is doing this in overtimes. Are they also doing it in some, uh, like, do they have a midseason tournament or, or, or some other, um, yeah? So span in the end of time, it's they do some showcase games in yeah. Las Vegas in December, and that's when they're going to do no fourth quarter clock. Okay, that okay. will be Elam ending in the fourth quarter. And I, I'm with you. I don't see that. I think, you know, that would be too radical a change to the NBA. I mean, it's, 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 I think it's always going to be 12 minute quarters, but overtime. Yeah. But in overtime, I could definitely see it. Or you, you just mentioned uh, sort of mid season tournaments. There, there are a lot of talk about a mid season tournament for the NBA, uh, I could definitely see them bringing that kind of ending to to that situation. Yeah, it's interesting. And they've always been, at least under Silver, you know, they've been willing to experiment and, and try new things. Uh, it's definitely awesome. It's definitely good for the All-Star game. I mean, I, I think that's been a win there. Um, overtime, maybe a double overtime situation. I don't know. People are so precious with these records, though, and changing anything, whether it's shortening the season by games or certainly the time of games. So I don't see it affecting anything, a regular season game or, or a, a standard game from that point. But the G League, that's why the G League is actually the perfect place for this type of stuff. 
Now, I know you are someone that is very precious about your time and you don't you don't like things to take too long, especially the NBA. I mean, it seems like the fourth quarters, especially the end of these games, well, can sometimes drag on because of the replays. So do you yeah. worry that the you know, I know it's not going to be in the fourth quarter, but if they do do an elimending situation in overtime, that it could take even longer to get to these scores. You know, that, yeah, that, yeah, that would buckets. be the downside. Yeah, that would be the downside, right? Because uh, over time, you've got what you got. So maybe it'll never happen. I don't know. But if they're trying to, if it's a speed up thing, listen, <laughs> there's a lot of other things we can do to speed up these games. You mentioned replay. You mentioned all the constant complaining. You mentioned, I mean, my God, we've got plenty of stuff we can do without shaking up the timing of these games. So uh, Elam ending is cool. I f- don't you feel like it's it's definitely still a fringe nerd thing, though, right? Like anyone gets excited about that as, as an analytics basketball, you know, nerd in a, in a loving way. Well, no, but I think there's a carnival aspect to it as well. It doesn't yeah. feel like it, it feels sort of goofy to to end games like that. But I think I think it's it, it, it's more interesting than you know, again, I think I don't want to lose the fourth quarter last second shot opportunity. Cause I think there's, there's something magical about that too, but I've watched it in the NBA all-star game and there is a little bit of tension that builds up uh, That's as they, they approach it, that. School. Yeah. That's cause there's no inherent tension, right? In the all-star game. That's why <laughs> it, it is the there. only, that's right. It is the only tension in the room. And when you're, as I said earlier this week, sometimes when you're the only package in the room, then you suddenly become the big, you suddenly have the biggest package in the room. Um, I don't know if you've been listening all week, but that was something we discussed. Unfortunately, as we discussed in this episode, Charlotte did not have the biggest package in the room. Cleveland um, uh, walked into the room and and just showed a massive package, uh, a package that I didn't expect anyone to have, uh, much less Cleveland. Uh, but they came, they walked in there and they they threw it on the table. Um, so that happened. That's all. It's Apparently, all. it did. Apparently, it did. <laughs> Uh, David, um, I almost did it. I almost did it right there. I almost called you Walker. Close. Uh, close. it was close, but I, I, I wrenched it back. David, any, any, I just want to give you this opportunity at the end of the show here to get anything off your chest about the Charlotte Hornets that you'd like to. Um, so, and I, and I hope the next time you come on, it's not such a long absence. I don't want I don't want to do right. this again. I don't want to, I want to see you every week. I know. I want to get back to chopping it up. I think, um, you know, there was a lot of anticipation for this next season and to see what it holds. And I think this has been the most out of the blue, crazy, awful, you know, just disparaging offseason that I can remember in the Hornets in a long, long time. You started by having a coach, then losing a coach. And then you start by getting a good coach. I I, I will say I like all the, the media members now who bring up the, uh, the, the the coaching hire that went awry, and then they say, but they got a good coach. They, they got a good coach. These people really love Steve Clifford, as do we. Um, but I just think, man, <laughs> we they, love they, Steve Clifford, don't we? People? We love him. We love him. <laughs> 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 He's a good man. He's a good people. Um, we we just need to get this season started. They've got to get something out on the court. Any more bad press, uh, you know, this Miles thing is going to hang on with them forever. Uh, if they can get on the court, get a few wins, Doug, you know, that solves a lot of things, but you got LaMelo ball. We just got to stay with LaMelo. You got to, you know, give him basically whatever he wants, <laughs> let him do whatever he wants and, uh, and try and put some pieces around him. I'm, I'm ready for the season. I'm, I'm cautiously, I won't say optimistic, but I'm cautious, uh, but I am ready. Well, I hope if they're not going to do anything, I mean, they've obviously not done anything, but I, but I hope the team, right 
comes to terms with that firm. at some point and shifts gears into player development and shifts gears into, uh, you know, I don't think, look, you're not going to be able to convince uh, Steve Clifford to tank or anything like that. You know, that that's not going to be a, a reality, but I, but I don't think that they're, they're going to field a roster that's going to compete anyway. I think that's going to take care of itself. So now we're talking about maybe competing for the, the NBA draft top spot for women Yama or for Scoot Henderson, who's going to play for G league ignite this season. G league, by the way, G league uh, ignite is going to get a full 50 game schedule i believe uh they're going to play a full schedule in the g league this year so a lot of opportunity to see scoot henderson who looks to be one of the high draft picks uh in this upcoming draft uh so we'll we'll keep it on and all here on locked on hornets thanks again for making locked on hornets your first listen every day thanks again for david walker for uh, filling in for walker mail now for your second listen go check out the ultimate pro football preview 2022 and eight episode extravaganza david do you say extravaganza or do you say extravaganza ganza ganza I'm a Gonza guy. To get ready for the NFL season, the local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Have a great weekend. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.